faith. It's God's gift. Uh, basically, I find a lot of people all around the world are struggling with faith. Uh, if you're struggling, you've got a problem. Basically, you're relying on yourself and your faith instead of finding the true source of faith, which is God himself. Faith cometh by hearing the word of God. Doesn't come by you trying to believe. Comes from him. Um, got to get Bible belief into your heart. Not charismatic belief. Not uh, belief in, in some experience, but what God says. Into your heart, into your life. And I want to talk about it because... Uh, most people's problems, as I've said so many times, if you want to take all the problems in the palm of your hand, it's easy. All your problems of life, you can take into the palm of your hand. It's quite simple. All you need to do is take your hand and stick it on the top of your head and you've got all your problems in the palm of your hand. They're between your ears. Uh, and that's where most people's problems are. The way they think... They think negatively, they believe negatively. Unfortunately, the songs they sing in uh, their churches and in the choirs and are very often so negative, striving to receive, which is ridiculous, because Jesus Christ has done everything. He's risen. Spirit of Christ is open. And one thing God gives us if we truly receive the Holy Ghost is a teachable spirit because you receive a teacher. He comes to lead us into all truth, doesn't he? Amen? And that's the sign of someone who's got the true spirit of Christ and someone who's got another spirit, wrong ghost, not the Holy Ghost. They might speak in tongues, but it's not the right thing. And so I want to talk about that. And... Um, Things stir me up at times, you know. Um, I, I just find... I, I, I look at this, the truths in this book, and one of the things I know is this. Um, someone asked me, they said, well, what is it that makes the difference between the wrong faith and the right faith? Believism that doesn't work and reality. Uh, I, I find this. If you meet a man of God who knows, he's at rest. You're not trying to get something from God. If you meet a man who's trying to get something from God or a woman who's trying to get something from God, what they're telling you is they're not really in life. They're in death. That's what they're telling you. They don't understand it, but that's really what it is. Hey, he's done everything. And I don't have to spend my life. Jesus Christ is my righteousness. He is my sanctification. He is my redemption. He is everything to me. I live, nevertheless, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's his faith, not mine. And it's so easy. It's easy when you know he's inside you. God lives in me. And Paul, uh, or the writer to 
to the Hebrews, should I say, who I have little doubt was Paul, but others doubt it. And um, when you go in amongst the um, theologians, they like to argue, was it Paul, wasn't it Paul? Well, I think it was Paul. But if you want to argue about it too much, then you'll find that in the chapter 1, verse 1, it tells you who wrote the book, God. God who in sundry times and by divers men spake by the holy prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. God wrote it. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 5, you'll find these words. Good authorized version, no perversion. Uh, I, I like good, good, you know, God's always spoken to me in the authorized version. It's total prejudice. Um, I love it. Paul writes, or, or the writer of the Hebrews writes, or God would say, and does say, verse 12, or, or ver, uh, but let's take verse 11, of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, to be expressed, seeing that you are dull of hearing. For, when for a time you ought to be preachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. Paul's writing and he said, hey, you ought to be teachers. Trouble is, you haven't learnt the basics. You haven't got the basics of your life right. And if you haven't got the basics right, you're not going to go anywhere. Terrible thing, isn't it? People that ought to be teachers, you've got to take them back. And he says, you can't have strong meat. What you need is milk. Now you talk to Christians like that today and they get all offended because they know they're saved, they know what they believe, ha ha. They know, and you find they haven't even got the basics right. They don't understand that when Jesus Christ comes in, you receive the life of God, you become partaker of a divine nature and you have all things that pertain to life and godliness within you because Christ lives in you. And if you haven't got that, you haven't got Christ. And Paul writes to them and says, oh, it's terrible. You ought to be teachers. You're dull of hearing. In other words, you're not prepared to hear what God really says. And that's a tragedy with so many people. They don't want to hear what God says. They hear what they say God says. And God doesn't say what they say he says. God says something different. All over the world where I go, I find people who ought to be teachers need that one teach again the first principles. How can it be that people after years, you have to take them back to the first principles? One of the things I do when people come to me, they say, I've got a need in my life. The thing I want to know is how they met God. I want to know what happened. Tell you why I want to know what happened. I want to find out whether God really laid those first principles in their life. 
what really happened to you? When was the day you knew the power of sin was broken forever? You knew the power of God had so taken hold of you and the life of God had so come into you that you were a totally different person than the person you were born. You got a nature change, you got a heart change, you got your whole being alive in God. When did that happen? And very often I find, oh, well, you know, I, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. Bully for you. But that doesn't make you a Christian. Lots of people have asked Jesus in. That doesn't make you a Christian. It's when God does come in. That makes you a Christian. When that life comes inside and you're alive in him. That makes you a Christian. Not uh, asking so many people ask and then they're forever you can hear you can hear their unbelief coming out they love to dream up songs like oh Lord you know you're out there I never think of God out there hey, he lives in me I know where he is he lives in me I'm alive in him amen to live is Christ to die, gain. The whole emotionalism that's come into the church, and they call it worship. It isn't worship, it's stupidity. When you come together, you're meant to worship Christ. Center your heart on Him, not on yourself. Not on your needs, but on the wonderful King of Kings who's done everything for you. That's what we talk about. Hey, we're alive in Him. I like that type of Christianity. The unbelief type, I don't like. It's blasphemy. Suggesting that what God says isn't true is terrible blasphemy. Uh, but what we have in the church today, very often, when I go around the world, I find we have faith seekers. They're always seeking an experience. They're seeking for God to do something. You need to learn the first principles. When you're born from above, you become a son of God. And when you're a son of God, Christ lives in you. And when Christ lives in you, you have all things. All things. So wonderful. But you'll find it over in... Um, 2 Timothy, have a peep there. 2 Timothy. You can never go wrong if you read your Bible, you know. So easy. In 2 Timothy. And in chapter 3, you read, I love this. You know, there's something about um, the authorized version. I just want to tell you, you won't, you, you might get so-called more accuracy in some other version, but you don't get the lovely language. And language is the expression of life. And I love this. In 2, <laughs> two Timothy chapter 3, here, This know also, says Paul to Timothy, 
that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, that means no self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the, pair, the power thereof. From such, turn away. A lot of people have got a form of godliness, but they deny the power of it. The power of it transforms you. If the power of God has come into you, you haven't got a form, you've got life. And if you've got life, you're not seeking it. You have life. You're alive in Him. He lives in you. Amen? There's so many people seeking something up there. No, no. Don't need anything. Got everything. Jesus is my everything, isn't He? Hmm? But they've got this form. They kind of pray the same way. and They get all emotional. Oh, God. You know. As though God has let them down. God isn't faithful. Faithful is he who called you who will also do it. Our God is a faithful God. Hey, he says, if you ask, you receive. If you seek, you find. If you knock, it's opened. Didn't say, oh, now I want you all to intercede. Do you know there's one who ever lives to make intercession for us? His name is Jesus. Don't try and steal his job. I'll tell you what, he lives to make intercession. I want to tell you the atonement was accomplished on Calvary's tree. The third day he rose again victorious. He doesn't have to add anything. He presented the precious blood and the holy of holies. The way is made open that we might have boldness to enter in. It's not this idea of somehow Jesus is, is uh, you know, ever so upset and trying to overcome. The devil's finished. 2,000 years ago, my Jesus stripped him of his power and his authority. The devils and demons thought Calvary was their victory. Why? It was their end. My God is victorious. Amen? And he rose again victorious. Why is it Christians preach blasphemy? Suggesting that Jesus didn't do what he said. When he cried on the cross, it is finished. It was. The devil was finished. Absolutely finished. Boom. You say, oh, no, 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 no. No, there's all these spirits over cities. No, there isn't. You see, it depends what eyes you see things with. If you have the eyes of faith, you'll understand the whole earth is full of his glory. I find too many Christians, all they can see is a devil everywhere. 
I see Jesus. My Jesus. I love my Jesus. I, I just find it's good that he lives in me. Do you know the creator of heaven and earth lives in me? His name is Jesus. Do you know the victorious one who shed his precious blood for me lives in me? Do you know he's my savior? Ha! Huh. I'm alive. That's a Christian testimony. The other kind of testimony, oh, where are you? I'm desperate for you. I'm not. He lives in me. I'm alive in him. That's a Christian testimony. I'm a Christian. All this emotionalism. That's not Christianity. That's not faith. Faith is believing what God says. What God says about me is true. That's it. Hmm. Uh, it goes on verse 6. I like this next bit. For this, for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive. You can all read the next two words out. What is it? Laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge. There's a lot of people that are ever learning but they don't come to the knowledge of the truth because they don't understand that the truth is a person. Jesus Christ, he is the truth. They, they, they grab any doctrine that floats around. They grab any idea that floats around and they latch on to it, ever learning, but they don't come to the knowledge of the truth. The truth in Christ. I find a lot of people like that. Ever, you know, they grab hold of this thing and say, oh, that was wonderful, and the next week it's something else. Any new gimmick that comes along, they're after it. And they don't go to the simplicity that's in Jesus Christ. Hey, he's my savior. He's done everything. I love him. He's all I need. That's it. I'm a Jesus person. Do I speak in tongues? Yeah. Do I believe in the gifts? Yeah. But I tell you, there's no substitute for Jesus. Holy Spirit came to tell me what Jesus said, what Jesus does. He, didn't, he came to speak not of himself. He came to tell me about Jesus. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what Jesus said. Holy Spirit, when he's coming, he's going to testify of me. He's going to take of mine and show it unto you. I, I wonder what spirit they've got when it, <laughs> that spirit doesn't testify of Jesus. Talks all the times about gifts. 
Let me tell you something. If you've got a gift, if you've got a gift, and you say, well, I've got a gift of healing. I've got a gift of tongues. I've got a gift of interpretation. I've got a gift of prophecy. I've got news for you. If you really say that and believe it, you probably have. Trouble is, it's your gift, not God's any longer. You've claimed ownership. You see, it's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They never become yours when they're His. The genuine's His. The false is yours. When you make something yours, it ceases to be His. Ownership's very important. No, you're not. The Bible says, you've been bought at a price. You're not your own. Ownership. I find so many people try and own gifts, own um, ministries, own things. Poor, pathetic people. Sooner you get rid of it, the better. It's about time you made way for God and got out of the way because you get in the way. That's why God's so particular over ownership. I I've never healed anyone. Can't. I've never done a miracle, couldn't. Never been able to do anything. But I know someone who can. His name is Jesus. And he lives in me. He does everything. They're his miracles, which he does. They're never ours. And when we start owning things as ours, we're in trouble. I find so many need to learn the first basics. Without him I can do nothing, said Paul. I think he was right, don't you? Hmm? I worry when people tell me they've got a ministry, I think, yeah, you sure have, but it's not God's. Poor people that are going to suffer you. God's God. Time you acknowledged him for who he was. Anyway, these silly women, we, we'll get back to them because it's an important subject. Silly women, ever learning, <laughs> never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Isn't that a shame? <laughs> Verse 8. Now, As Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. That means they're counterfeit. And then it goes on, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be made manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But... And then he talks to Timothy, Thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, uh, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. 
Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things that thou hast learnt and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learnt them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now where did his faith come from? But it came through the holy scriptures. Now it came through the Old Testament, because the New Testament wasn't written when Paul was writing. The old, he was Jewish. And he was pointing out it's the scriptures. Now the canon of scripture wasn't compiled. The Old Testament was. The Jews had it. They had the law and the prophets. And you've got to understand something. Don't ever think that you can divide the Bible up, cut off the Old Testament from the New Testament and, and just think, well, you know, all I need. No, it's every word of God. Proceeds out of the mouth. That, that'll help you and give you life. You'll live by it. And, and here was Timothy. And when Paul wrote to him, he said, hey, come on. All scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. Do you notice two of the things that Scripture does? Reproof, correction. Very important to understand. The Scriptures are there so that you can get your life right. And you can get instructed in righteousness. You need to know what way to live to be right with God. But Scripture's there for that. If you don't know and study the Scriptures, you will never come to a place where you'll live right with God. It's not experiences that count. You can have an emotional freak out and think God's met you. You can have all kinds of experiences. You can fall over and feel power running up and down your spine. You can do all sorts of things. But I want to tell you what will instruct you, what will reprove you, what will bring you to life is Scripture. When the Holy Ghost quickens it into your life, it becomes living. Now, Jesus also wrote, or spoke, should I say, to the Pharisees. He said, search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have life, but you won't come to me that you might have life. Scriptures don't give life, but when you're in life, they guide you and they lead you and they're a lamp to your feet. And they'll bring reproof, they'll bring instruction, they'll bring rebuke. And they're essential. I'm amazed how many Christians don't pick up their Bible and read it. They think going to church and just listening to the preacher is all that counts. No, it's not. You need to know what the Word of God says. It needs to be part of your life, part of your being. You need to have it inside of you. 
When I first became a Christian and God met me and filled me with the Holy Ghost, I didn't know the Bible. I tell you what I did. I bought tapes with the scriptures on it. And I just listened and listened and listened. Why? Because I wanted the Word of God to get inside me. Because it's the Word of God that's so essential for your life. Till I learnt the Scriptures by heart. Became part of my life. Ministry doesn't come from suddenly going and having an experience. Ministry comes when God teaches you by the Holy Ghost and the Word of God becomes your life. People said, oh no, you, you, know, you, you need this experience or that experience. You don't. You need to know what God says. What's God's opinion? That's the most essential thing. I find Christians are so careless. They're so spiritual about everything else. They'll pray for hours but ask them to open their Bible and actually read it and study it. And you find, oh no, they want to be an intercessor. Or they want a word of prophecy. Or they want an experience. Or they just cry to God. Well, I want to tell you what happened. The word of God became light to their feet. And we need to bring back, if ever there was a need in the church today, it's to bring back the word of God to the centrality of the place where it should be. Get away from this experience-orientated people. And it says what? They're like sensual. Look at it. Go back. It says, um, these people, for men shall be lovers of them own selves, covetous, verse 2, proud blasphemers. Do you know, there, there is something about it. When you become a lover of yourself, your whole intent is, God, make me something, do something with me, Give me something, let me have something, and you become covetous. You see someone else has got an experience of God, and you start chasing after it. You know, emulations, that's copying other people, is a work of the flesh. That's why you've got all these kind of experiences. They hear, oh, God's done something down there, and everyone runs off to try and get the experience. They don't run to their Bibles to see whether it's biblical. They don't search to find whether it's established in truth. What they run to is the experience. And then they say, oh, you know, I fell. Oh, so-and-so prayed for me and I laughed. Oh, I went and I cried. Well, that'll soon finish. But the Word of God stands sure it's eternal. I want something that's eternal, don't you? Live by the eternal word of God. Everything else will pass away. Do you know when you get to heaven, there's no more tears. Some Christians will feel out of place in heaven. They'll have nothing to cry about. They'll be out of... No one will need healing in heaven. I've got a gift of healing. Can you imagine racing up to someone in heaven and saying, let me give you a prophecy. They'll say, beat it. Hey, 
We taste the powers of the world to come. And when you taste of those powers, you're not playing games with gifts. Grow up. You see, the difference is a gift is very superficial. Life is real. Just go around and you're alive. When the gifts become part of your personality, because that's just you, because God lives in you, so it's part of him. Just something that functions naturally. If it's not like that in you, then you're just a babe. You need to learn the first principles. People come along, where are you going? I'm going to seek God. My question is, oh, is he lost? I know where he is. He lives in me. They've read, you know, what John did, but they forget that John won a new born again, new covenant person. He was old covenant. So they live in old covenant, Jewish experience. And they've got this idea, God's in heaven, you see. Uh, and there's an occasion when the Spirit will come upon me. No, no, I'm not like that. He lives in me. I've got new life. I've got a recreated spirit. I've got a new heart. I'm alive in God. I'm born from above. I'm a son. Hmm. Different. But they still live in the old Psalms, you know, where they can get their emotion. Oh God, return, come back. He hadn't left. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Their prayers are totally unbelief. They don't pray in faith, pray in unbelief. It's false. You see, there are some people who are silly women, dull of hearing. They won't hear. You can tell them, they won't listen. They're smarter. They're no respect. Heady. Do you know, disobedient to parents, some of your parents, you've got parents in Christ. You've got fathers in the faith. It's about time you learn to listen to them. The trouble with young teenagers out in the world, not in our school, but out in the world, in the spirit of the world, is they kind of rebel against their parents. They rebel against their elders. Have you noticed in schools how there's kind of this thing, they get together and they won't listen to their parents. They're smarter than their parents. They forget their parents have lived through life, through experiences, and their parents are there as a God-given restraint. They forget that. They become heady-minded, it says. Disobedient to parents. There's nothing worse than a child who rebels. <laughs> Glory to God. There's, there's, there's a notion that, that children should just rebel. That's wrong. God says that's wrong. That's why it says in the Bible, train up a child in the way that he should go. When he's old, he's not going to depart. And you should train your children up to obey you, you parents. And when they're old, they should still know what it means to obey.
There's a notion that there comes a time when you can just throw off the shackles. I want to tell you, that is why so few people go on with God. Because their parents never teach them to obey and they have no respect for age, no respect for authority and when they come to Christ they have equally no respect. We are breeding in the spirit of the world an attitude of lack of respect. God said that's not to be. And we need to get back to biblical ways of living. The Bible. I believe it. You say, well, that's terrible. No, it's wonderful. It's nice to know your kids respect what you say, isn't it? Hmm? When they're 30, they still come. Hey, Dad. Why? Because they trust you. They know your manner of life. That's what needs to happen. Hmm. Look at it. It says, verse 10, Thou hast fully known my doctrine, my teaching, my manner of life, my purpose, faith. You know it. I've got purpose, I've got faith. See, some people say, oh, you know. Well, if your parents aren't in the Lord, well, don't follow the spirit of this world. Follow Christ. But we need to get back to biblical ways of living. I believe it with all my heart. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Oh, let's take um, verse 13, we'll start at. And you, who? You. you, being dead. How were you? Dead. In your sins. And the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Glory to God. I hate it when I find Christians come along and they start counselling someone and they start prying into their past. Listen. You who were dead, God has forgiven you all trespasses. Now all means everything. Doesn't it? Don't you ever let some amateur psychologist or counsellor come to you and start prying into your past. Tell them to mind their own business. Now if they ask you about your experience of God, that's one thing. If they start wanting to know about all the gory details of your life, that is not right. Jesus has forgiven me all trespasses. He divided my sin as far as the east is from the west. And he says he remembers it no more. Don't you let anyone dig it up. That's from hell. Believe me, that's what the book says. You don't have a past, you have a future. You don't have 
a, a past kind of where you've got to go back and, you know, what did you do and who, who haven't you forgiven? Load of old rubbish. Don't you ever let anyone get you on that nonsense. They tell you you're ill because you didn't forgive someone. Hmm. Well, I want to tell you this. Jesus was never sick and he didn't forgive Judas. Hello? There's a lot of people in hell. Hello? There are people that don't get forgiven, aren't there? And if you're smart to forgive everyone everything, I'm telling you, you make yourself greater than God. You want to be careful. There are some things, Jesus said, whosoever sins you retain, they're retained. Whosoever sins you remit, they're remitted. Didn't he say that? Or did he mean it? Well, if you're retaining someone's sins, God doesn't just forgive willy-nilly. wants sincerity, integrity. Hmm? But for a Christian who's laid his life down, a Christian who realizes he's not his own, he's been bought with a price, someone who's become a child of God, he's forgiven all trespasses and all sins. And they're blotted out forever, amen? I don't have a past, I have a future. What I did yesterday is gone. What I did last month's gone. All of it, gone. My sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. That's the way you want to. That's biblical thinking. Nice hymn. The hymns they used to write actually were biblical. Now the little ditties they write have no scripture in them. They're just ditties of fools. We want to be emotional. Don't sing them. I won't sing things I don't believe. I like that song. Demons and devils thought they had won. That was nice, wasn't it? Huh? I love to think of the cross. <sighs> That's where the devil got his comeuppance. Glory to God. Lord, verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which were contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it where? Glory. The things that were against you and in the way, they got nailed to the cross. And... Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Glory to God. Uh, my God, he conquered the devil. Every principality, every power, every demon finished. Calvary. On the cross. Huh. On the cross it was done, and then he rose the third day. What a God we have. What a God we serve. Don't you ever get the idea that the devil's got any... Hey, every principality and power was dealt with 2,000 years ago.
way. The Bible says Jesus spoiled every principality and power. Glory to God. He overcame them in the cross. And if Jesus lives in you and you have the life of God, well, it's in Romans chapter 5, just to mention it. Look at it. Oh, where, where am I going? No, I'm going to Romans 6. I don't because I'll be here and miss my lunch at the moment. Romans 6. I, I, I'm missing out half my notes. I want you to know that. I'm missing some out. But there aren't many. See, I, I, I write it all down so I know where I'm going. It's very clear. But I'm missing out some. See? I don't have pages missing out some if you're a preacher you, that's the, if you have any more notes than that you'll bore people and now I'm going to cut it by half in fact I'll, I'll tear it in half there you are <laughs> cut it by half now I'm not sure where I'm going I better put it together again no <laughs> my notes Romans <laughs> chapter 6 look at this we'll go to chapter 6 Verse, verse 5. Ha! I do, you'll read it on your own. Uh, let's take verse 1. We'll go to verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? No, you're not. There's so many as you was baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. Like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we ought to walk in newness of life. Four, and this is the scripture I want to get to. Read the rest at home. You know. Four, if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also, what? In the likeness of his resurrection. Glory to God. Do you know, when you come out and you're born again, you don't go into the likeness of his death, you come into the likeness of his resurrection. You come into life. Body, soul and spirit in life. You're quickened by the spirit that dwells within you. Your mortal body is quickened by that spirit. Your soul is regenerated. Your spirit is recreated, new in Christ. Your spirit becomes one spirit with his spirit, inseparable for all eternity. You're a child of God, born of the King. If you are buried in the likeness of his death, you'll be raised in the likeness of his resurrection. What a wonderful promise, isn't it? Hmm? That's why you don't have to sing, oh, to be like Jesus. Sing, oh, I am like Jesus. Glory to God. I've been born into the likeness. Huh? Now, I want to make it plain. You haven't got a glorified body. Don't try walking through a wall. You will stop when your nose hits it. You haven't got a glorified body. What you've got? You've got resurrection life in you. Huh? Well, that resurrection life, do you know Jesus is not fighting the devil? Did you know that? 
Jesus is not around. Devil, get away. My Jesus says, if resist the devil, he'll flee. Hey, you've got life in you. The devil's in trouble. The gates of hell won't prevail against the church of God. Why? Jesus lives in you. You're in authority. The <laughs> devil's in trouble, not you. Why? Because you come in the resurrection. Jesus is seated far above principalities and powers. devil's under you. He's finished. You're alive in God. Sickness and disease, finished. That's life. Do you believe that? Or do you believe it? That's the most wonderful truth in Scripture. Well, that's Christian living. That's, that's what a born-again person lives. It's what someone who's filled with the Holy Ghost lives. He lives by faith. He believes this is what God says. Hey, this is true of me. It's just glorious, isn't it? 1 Timothy chapter 6. Quickly go there. 1 Timothy 6. Look at this. Verse 12. Read it out. Go on. Fight! What are you to do? Fight. The good fight of faith. How do you do it? He tells you. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called. And hast professed a good profession. Before many witnesses. Most people, they deny what God has done for them. Oh well, we're all sinners. We're all, oh, we're, we're waiting for God to revive us. Oh, oh, well, what about laying hold of eternal Faith, fighting with faith, it means you lay hold of it. Hey, and then you stand before many witnesses and you tell them I'm a child of God. Jesus lives in me. I'm alive from the dead. Goes on, next verse. Next verse, go and read it out. I charge thee in the sight of God who quickeneth all things and before Jesus Christ who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that thou keep this commandment without spot unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. What command? Fight the good fight of faith. Witness a good profession. I'm alive. He lives in me. Glory to God. Jesus has saved me. Jesus has bought me. Jesus has cleansed me. Jesus has forgiven me. Jesus has healed me. Boy, I'm alive in him. I've got new life. That's fighting the good fight of faith. I'm alive in him. Amen. Glory to God. I tell you, you can fight the fight. And if you're going to have a fight, have a good one. Don't have a feeble one. Got to go for it. Hmm. Profess a good profession. 
Amen. God's on my side. If God be for me, who can be against me? I remember dear old um, TLO telling me one time he was, he was, um, they carried up a cripple on a leprous person, all crippled and messed up, put him on the platform. And um, TLO realized that all the powers of evil were fleeving, and he said, Devil, you come back here and watch this. <laughs> Don't you run. You watch what God's going to do. I like that. Glory to God. Make him watch it. We're alive. Hey, he gets mad at you. You'll suffer persecution for being a Christian. Hey, that's part of the package. Hmm. And um, we're, we're victors. No weapon that's formed against us is going to prosper. We're not worried about it. Just get out there and give them what for. Fight the good fight of faith. Profess a good profession. Don't back off. Don't you get worried about what the world thinks. Don't you be conditioned by the world. Be conditioned by God and his word. Devil, you're in trouble. World, you're in trouble. The course of this world's led by the prince of the power of the air. You're in trouble. Why? I'm here. Stand up. Now, I want you to witness a good profession. You're in resurrection life. Put your hand on your chest. Go on, put your hand on your chest. Right hand. I like people that go right. Right hand on your chest. Say, I'm a child of God. I'm, a child of God. I'm born from above. I'm born from above. Devil, you're in trouble. Devil, you're in trouble. I'm here. Now, wherever you go, know the devil's in trouble because you're there. Why? Because Christ lives in you. He's got a problem, not you. I'll tell you, as you resist him, he's going to flee. He's got nowhere else to go. He knows his time's short. He knows he's had it. Oh, and he tries to bluff you and lie. And he sends all kinds of false doctrines that silly women will believe and reprobate men will go after well you don't go after that devil I'm going to give you a rough time and don't you keep running away you come and watch what I'm going to do to you that's fake not send the fire Let the... go God where are you that's not faith. That's not a good profession. That's unbelief. There's a difference, isn't there? Hmm? You want to make a difference in the earth? Live like a Christian. Be what God intended you to be. Not someone who's always apologizing. If you're a person afraid of confrontation, don't become a Christian. Have a good fight. Glory to God. Devil, go and say it. Devil, 
Devil, you're in trouble. Jesus is risen. I have resurrection life. And I'm going to fix you. Glory to God. <laughs> yeah. You know, you want to start speaking truth to yourself. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Not this, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, devil. Oh, what nonsense. It's gone. He's, when you come, he gets nervous. That's why he stirs up people to persecute you, because he's nervous. He knows when you start living the way God intends and you profess a good profession, he's in so much trouble. That's why he throws things in your face. Stop you believing. See, he'll say, it won't work. When he says that, know this, he's a liar. And he's the father of lies. The reason he's telling you it won't work is because it is. He never tells the truth. If he throws accusation at you and says, See, what about your sin? You say, Ha! It's all gone. The only reason he's throwing it at you is because he's a liar. He never tells the truth. He's the father of lies. Condemnations hurts a lie. I'm born. I'm alive. Devil! You're in trouble. I'm alive in God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's, let's go and choir's going to sing. Thank you, Oh, you are, you know. Actually, I have a beautiful voice.